0: I'm Shane Twist and welcome to Behind the Beef, a podcast that gives you a look behind the scenes and into the everyday activities of the people behind the beef. Having started his role as Angus Australia Chief Executive Officer at the beginning of March, this episode of Behind the Beef we are joined by Scott Wright. Scott has joined the podcast to introduce himself to our listeners, give us insight into his background and a look into the future as he proceeds in his tenure at the helm of Angus Australia. Without further ado, let's jump into our chat with Scott. Thank you for joining the podcast today Scott. It's your first time as CEO. You're not a stranger to the podcast but first time in the new position. How are you feeling?
1: Oh thanks Shane. Yeah, It's exciting, exciting to be on. I've been a long-standing advocate of your podcast so I think it's great and a great way for you to interact with the membership and to get a good message out there. So no, I appreciate being on. It's fantastic.
0: So in your own words, can you introduce yourself to the listeners and let us know who you are?
1: Thanks, Shane. So uh, I'm Scott, and the CEO of uh, Angus Australia, which is uh, which is a great privilege um, to me. And I, I guess just a bit about myself: I'm 48, uh, have a little farm at Glencoe. We're up towards Glen Innes. Um I'm married to Julie, and and uh, Stuart and Courtney uh, are our kids. And they're both now off doing their own thing. Um, yeah, just a little farm. We've got a few commercial cattle, which we uh, enjoy running, and and uh, some around the district there. Um, and 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 that's me i guess we'll dig a bit deeper through the the podcast um but but yeah that's me thanks shane
0: so what's something about you that most people aren't familiar with
1: yeah look um i, I struggled over these uh, shane was very helpful to give me some of these questions to have a look at before and and i guess one that probably comes out to me is um each, each sunday you'll find me in church i guess that's the that's the thing so my, my private christian life is a is probably something that doesn't come out in everyday conversation but it it's probably pretty well, it is very important to me and it probably influences the way I look and see things in the world and and the and the sort of organization that I like to run um that's I guess that's um that's that's probably what most people don't know and i think I think what stems out of that and and this will be something that people don't know is got a great interest in um, the institutions we have in society. So um, uh, all, all the things that have stemmed from the last um, 2,000 years and I, I'm, I'm working through Winston Churchill's uh, history of an English-speaking people and, and I think some of those uh, Judeo-Christian values that we have and the institutions we have... Um, are pretty important. Uh, so anyway, that's a, that's a little hobby horse I've got there, Shane. Yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah, I was trying to work out if there's any quirks that we need to know about coming, going forth the next couple of years. So circling back to the fact that you've just started your new position, what's your career journey and progression been like to get to this point? What's a little bit about your working background?
1: Yep, it's an interesting one. I've had a few quirks in there. but uh, So I grew up on the north coast of New South Wales, um, down at a town called Kyogle. And I went from there to uh, Gatton College uh, and studied rural management there in the early 90s, which which was great. Um, I did a couple of things in association with that and then uh, following my um, course at college, I went and worked uh, in Singapore. Um, I I was blessed to be given a position at Singapore Food Industries and we imported and distributed uh, uh, all types of food and wine, but a lot of frozen beef and lamb... um, fruit juice, frozen vegetables, things like that. It was a mixed business and and I was a market research executive there so I'd look for new product and find out where we could uh, uh, sell it somewhere in Southeast Asia. So that was a fantastic time. Uh, Then I came back um, and from 1999 through to 2016 ran our family wine business. Uh, So I spent a lot of time in the wine industry. That was a a fantastic uh, part of my life. Um, Following that, I had two years at um, Wiltshire & Co, which was a CRT, uh, talking to farmers and, and uh, doing rural merchandise there. And then, uh, thankfully, I came to Angus Australia after that, which is which is great. And I, as I think through it, though, um, it's funny, not not all time is equal, I think, is, is, uh, is something I'd reflect on, is that uh, some of those little parts of your career um, actually are, are instrumental, even though they're only small segments. So anyway that's me
0: considering you've done quite a bit in that time and you know across a couple of different fields when did you first become passionate about the beef industry obviously you've got a little parcel of land of your own so when did you first become passionate about sort of the ag industry and furthermore beef cattle
1: yeah yeah that's it's a good question my first i think one of my first memories in life both my grandfathers were um in the dairy industry and um I can remember um, I'd often stay with my grandparents and I'd I'd follow my grandfather up to his uh, um, dairy in the morning through the and I can remember walking up through the fog and I must have been a little tacker there and 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 those grandfathers were, were both great. They they had um, beef cattle and they they would teach me a lot about cattle in general. I, I don't tend to differentiate a lot because uh, good stockmen are good stockmen and mm-hmm. um whether they're in beef or dairy and and I loved that period of time, and they taught me a lot, both of them, uh, respectively and differently. And, and, and so I think through my teenage years, we had a great ag department at, uh, at our school. So um, probably the shock of some, it was a Hereford stud. And uh, <laughs> I spent time on the Hereford Youth Camps and things like that, and learned to show cattle there so, and judge and things like that. So, so that was really helpful. Um, and I've, I guess we've always, uh, I've always just had a long-standing industry of cattle. I mean, if my mum was on here, she'd say, you know, that I was pretty passionate about cattle ever since I was a uh, little tacker. So, yeah. uh, so so, that's probably it. I, I think, then I think what happened with the, w- during the, my time in the wine industry, and we've always had the farm on the side, was that uh, I re- really de- developed an interest in strategy and, and business and and uh, and where to move forward over time. So they sort of melded together, I
0: think. Yeah, which has definitely served you now considering sort of what you've fallen into. It's kind of ideal at the moment. <laughs> that's right, that's right. Um, so who's been your biggest supporter and mentor over the course of your career?
1: It's a funny question. I, I sort of stumbled around it a bit um, when you put that question to me. And I, 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 just, I just feel so blessed that I've just had a... A number of people through my life, um, but they come and go. Shane, they they um, for a period of time, for a season, you'll have somebody impact you deeply in your life. Um, so I've just had I've just had so many. So so my mum and dad have been positive. Uh, my in laws are positive. My wife Julie. Uh, my kids are, are very passionate, and and so so all the family support has been. Um, amazing. I I work with some great people in Singapore I I still remember Tony Dunn, my economics lecturer when I was at college and and, and he was like there for a year or two but he was uh, I still remember the little sayings and things so look so many Um, my first boss was a fellow Alan Carnell and uh, he's still a family friend today and those little gems of wisdom strike with me Um, yeah blokes like Chris Cole, um, more recent times Graham Truscott and Peter have been great and Ron Bauer and there's just so many, actually. It's just a wonderful blessing.
0: Why do you think it's important to have those sort of touchstones of people throughout your career that give you that mentorship and give you that encouragement? Why do you think it's important for someone, I guess, if you're thinking of a young person coming up in the industry, why do you think it's important for them to sort of identify people in their life that? could progress their career in a certain way and be a mentor for them and why you should encourage people to sort of reach out to others to get advice and stuff yeah
1: like that. it's really important I think I think because we we can get a rush of blood at times and and I think the main thing is that that those wise heads have a bigger perspective um, they they can look at things that we can't see so um, we we see snapshots of time, whereas I think um, especially people that have been in the industry or, or worked with us longer can see, can see a bigger view and add some wisdom. And they can also maybe see some of our character failings at times. Um, yeah. Just give us... They can season our life with good advice. Um, yeah, that's, that's probably the, the most important thing. And they, can, they, can, they care about us. I think that's the other thing. They, they really care. And... Um, and, and it's hard to see it when you're in the in the pits but it's um yeah they just give you those little gems of wisdom and say what about this what about
0: that yeah particularly when I guess if you're faced by a difficult decision or something like that can help when you can identify mistakes and moving forward from that too yeah. if you've got a bit of advice backing you up absolutely so what motivates you to get up in the morning and go to work
1: well, that's a good one. I never had trouble getting up, which is great <laughs> which is good. But I but these days and I think um I, I think because you sort of get to that very reflective late forties stage of your life. Um you 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 have a, a career for a while and then you they, they don't think you actually get re energized as, as you as you and, and and I've had a couple of those moments where you, you re energise but I um um, started thinking about big things through um, the GFC in 2008, and um, there was a, a perfect storm in the wine industry. And there was a number of factors came together, which was diabolical, and it, and it killed the industry. And I think I started thinking about how do you you build um, enduring great organisations. And and a mentor, I was using a business consultant at the time, Chris Cole, and he he introduced me to a book called uh, Good to Great by Jim Collins and. And so, so and, and he talks about how do you, how, what makes organisations do better from other organisations? And, and so we sit here as Angus Australia today and, and we, we have done better than some of the other breeds, for example, that like, that's well known. And so I was fascinated with that. And I'd love to ask um, particularly Graham Truscott and Peter Parnell, so what happened? What was the difference? What, what was the inflection point? What went on? And so, so that's the excitement for me today is say, is like, what do we do? So, are we at the top of the cycle? Are we not? What can we, what can we go on with? And um, uh, last year, like uh, I remember, I was talking with Ben Main, and he just had this uh, little throwaway line: the best, the best ten years that had come. And I go, oh, that's encouraging. We've got all of this ahead of us, but what can we do as an organisation to control our own destiny? So that's what makes me. That's a long answer to a question, <laughs> isn't it? But uh, but what, what, how do we make Angus Australia great?
0: Well, what's been the biggest challenge that you've faced over the course of your career, and how did you overcome it, and what did you learn from that time?
1: Yeah, it's a it's a it's a good question, and some of you may know or may not know that are listening to the podcast, but we lost our winery, our family winery, to a fire in 2016, and it was sudden and traumatic, and it was uh, all of a sudden the the business disappeared on a day, and it was um, that was. Probably the, that was traumatic but, and sudden, but it was the process that I went through then. What do you want to do with the rest of your life? And we looked at it and the economics weren't, weren't great to rebuild, so we decided to exit the industry at that stage. But it was, um, it was the, the thought then, what do you do with your life? You've invested this, this much time and you're in your 40s. What, what's the second chapter going to look like? And, and so I, I had to look pretty deep um and say what are you what are you passionate about? how can you re-educate So I went back and studied animal science um, and it was a really good um, um, period of time so I guess it's it's reflection and looking at yourself and 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 not thinking you're too old to study but to have another go and, and actually what what came out of that is it's just been a blessing of a period of time because um, I think I found the, the interest in myself that I, I wasn't, that I really didn't know. It was always there, but it's it's just, um, it's leapfrogged, I guess.
0: So putting on the CEO hat now, and as you're looking down the start of your new tenure as the head of Angus Australia, what do you think are the biggest challenges our industry will face in the next five years?
1: Yeah, it's, it's um, um, I'm a little private economist, so I, I, uh, um, I think... Uh, it would be hard to walk away from the world events that are shaping things, and I'm not sure we can really predict what will happen in terms of the world economy with uh, Russia and China, uh, some of the trade disputes that are going on there, and what that does for the world economy. What what happens to interest rates? What's the effect of the rebuilding herd for us here? And 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 I listened to a good talk. Um, uh, Anne Holmes said that you economists and just um, statisticians can never predict the the market going forward and I think so I think it's a price cycle Um, so if you look at the beef price cycle um, it it changes over time so so that's the biggest uh, thing that we've got to contend with on as an industry but then I think the forces that are happening in the world is is um, we look at things like artificial intelligence and we've got um, genomic technology that's changing and and what how does that impact our seed stock industry going going on that that's going to be a real challenge for us to grapple with and and what sort of technology is going to come into the space and and how does that how does that change things and I guess as a um, as a business Angus Australia has to really work with uh, what does genetic evaluation look like going forward um, it, it might completely change um, and we might not be able to foresee some of the uh, technological changes that are on our doorstep so and i think we've got those multinationals starting to get into the market there. so yeah there's a whole bunch there to work with uh Shane.
0: but i guess with every challenge there is opportunity so what do you think knowing what we know now or the unknowns that we know now what do you think are the biggest opportunities angus producers have for the next five years
1: look i think the biggest thing is we've just got the greatest product in the world it's it's a uh, um, we've got uh, an increasing population, and uh, we've got the premium um, protein in the world in in terms of uh, red meat, and more specifically beef, and then premium beef amongst that. So I think there's no upside, no n- like there's no end to the upside there. Like it's it's a it's a big opportunity. So then within you've got the b- big beef exporters and producers around the world, and we we have to be nearly the best positioned. Um, Producing country in the world to to produce that premium product, so um, I think when you when you zoom out, that's that's what it's all about is delivering uh, a product that's got all the traceability in the world and those premium attributes. I think within it, I think there's some real opportunity there. I, I, I um, our Wagyu friends have done a great job at positioning themselves. Um, it's all about marbling. I think I think that's that's been great, but I think there's a lot more to beef than marbling, and um, and I think what we'll find is some of that niche product that's going forward in terms of um, flavor portfolios, which should, uh, how, do, how, do, how does the product that we produce, and maybe especially off grass and things like that, there's some great opportunity to market um, exceptional product going forward. I think Angus is, is really well placed uh, to do that. So yeah, it's, definitely. A, it's a great era.
0: Looking back at the breed in Australia, what do you think the greatest achievement of Angus producers has been over that time?
1: Yeah, it's it it just has to be market share. So, um, how does a breed go from being a minor breed to? Um, I think it's it's something like forty nine percent of the females um, beef um, commercial beef females in Australia are influenced by Angus genetics. I mean that's just extraordinary, yeah. really. Um, and the market share, the the I um, just it constantly amazes me that Angus Premium in the marketplace. So, so we've got the whole supply chain saying that they want that product. So I think the volume and the consistency that Angus producers have been able to put into the market is fantastic. I think um, that's come about because of the quality of product. And yeah. then obviously the seed stock sector has worked hard on improving that. And we've done all the genetic improvement to accelerate that. So I'd I, I just take my hat off to the Angus community at large. It's... Um, it's it's a flywheel that's just uh, turning and turning and turning and um yeah it's fantastic but just to think that angus beef has carved out such a high percentage of the of the quality end of the beef industry is is remarkable
0: so to the future what are your goals for angus australia going forward as ceo
1: yeah it's a good it's a good question it's um First of all, simplicity. I, I hate complexity, um, so I want us to uh, strive towards making things simpler and better for our members. Uh, there'll be a big focus on member engagement going forward. Um, we've got to remember that the members own the business. Um, I probably um, just say that all the time. People get sick of hearing it, but engagement has to be front and foremost. And one that's maybe hard to understand is that we need a strong, independent uh, Angus Australia as an organisation that charts its own destiny. Now, that can be a whole heap of words there, but what I mean by that is Angus Australia needs to maintain its independence so that it's not dictated by outside forces, so that we control our own vision going forward. I'm I'm a big believer in that. The, the, The best organisation to service Angus members is one controlled by Angus members.
0: Is there any other CEOs that you look up to? I know that you're a keen reader and you do like to read up about other, I don't know, you talked about the All Blacks book that you read and everything like that. So you're keen on sort of learning from others and learning about other people's experiences. Is there any other CEOs that sort of come to mind that you kind of look up to in the legacy that they've left for companies?
1: Yeah, yeah, there's a couple. I think I was as a young guy, I... I, would, uh, I worked for Singapore Food Industries and um, we had a few hundred employees and the managing director was Peter Tay and, and in that Asian culture it was they were all scared of him and uh, I'd go into the coffee room every the morning and I'd sit with Peter and, and we'd just have these great animated chats and, and he, he um, grew that organisation and they bought um, uh, subsidiaries in the UK and um, Australia and, and different parts of the world. And I I think he was a bit pivotal in in terms of uh, forming my thinking going forward. He was a, he was a great man. Um, the The two I'm a bit of a junkie for looking at what people are doing. I I love the what Hugh Killen is doing with uh, AACO. I think uh, just the the rebuilding of that business is uh, is quite interesting. So uh, I love watching that. and And an odd one. Um, is uh, uh, CEO uh, mark faceello of blue scope steel I think um, it's at steel would be seen as a bit of a dowdy business but I think at what what that business how it's managed how we've got an Australian steel maker that's recreated itself is is um, I just love that story and and the fact they do it with very little debt and um, in the in the economic climate going forward to see an Australian um, Manufacture yeah, just definitely. do so well, and I think nearly half their revenue you now comes from overseas or something like that. So it's, I love the story. And then probably the one I read a bit is uh, Ken Allen from DHL. How he he had to he took over a DHL were failing, um, going back about 15 years ago, losing money hand over fist, and he he says in his book. That he had to get people how to deliver a parcel again, and just got them back to basics. And um, so, anyway, there you go. Uh, <laughs>
0: this is a random one, but what's the best book you've ever read?
1: Oh shoot, <laughs> that's that's an interesting one. Or well,
0: uh, best podcast you've ever listened to? Because I feel like you and I often have conversations about you know good podcasts that we should be listening to. Obviously, because I do this podcast, it's yeah. always good to get some good yep. recommendations, but. I know that you have quite a broad range of things. That so, what is there any that have actually been quite sort of you've listened to it and it's resonated with you quite strongly?
1: Yeah, I think so. If I divide it in half, the two the the books are if you, if you're in business or uh, anything, you need to have re- read all five of Jim Collins's books, which uh, the pivotal ones, good, great, and he, there's four others. You need you need to read those and etch those in your mind. I think that's. Uh, that's 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 great. I think I think in terms of I do listen to a lot of different podcasts. Um, I think my my favourite Australian podcast is uh, John Anderson's Conversations. So I I um, I love the way that he drills deep into uh, where we're going as a society. Um, so so that's a good one and and uh, I've only. A couple of others. I could just talk all day, this, <laughs> but I love um, this fellow in America, around Dave Ramsey. I love his is just raw and robust, and uh, he helps people with his, their financial choices. I, I love that, because he just is uh, is very raw, I should say, with with people. And bit but of a disclaimer. <laughs> yeah, but he's he's done a great job uh, educating people and. Um, Just I just discovered this uh, Angus Underground recently as well, which is an interesting one. Australian Pork, do a good job of theirs. Um, There's heaps. I like to listen to Peter Credlin every day, so there you go. There's a few.
0: (laughs) So what advice would you give someone pursuing a career path similar to your own?
1: I think one thing I've learned is um, uh, to always be interested and to to read and ask questions and meet people and and, um, get as much wisdom as you can. I'm a great believer i'm like peter Parnell and i'm a great believer in higher education so um if you if you're going to do another course and i've told you this showing yourself is that you should uh, yep. do some further study and I, I so i think i think um i think for me it's it's you have a great career then you get in your 40s and then stop and but don't stop is it's go back and learn and and look it was interesting for me i remember i Went back to UNE and I, I decided to do animal science, uh, uh, this postgraduate in animal science, in in about six or seven years ago. And I turn up and there's all these kids there in their twenties, and they're just great. And they were, I felt like the old guy, but they were so welcoming and good. And 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 so I learned a lot going back and doing that. And then I've gone on and done the Australian Institute of Management training. So so I think just being interested, Shane, read heaps, be interested, engage with people, um, and don't ever think you're too old to have a have a um, go again
0: that's great advice i think this could be the most important question of the day but how do you have your steak
1: how do i have my steak well look this is I, i get asked this and and look um so there's three answers to this first of all there's no steak like scotch fillet i have it medium rare and uh these days i don't have any sauce on it which is which is great but but funnily... A good I,
0: steak speaks for itself. <laughs> oh, it does.
1: It does. Like, it's, it's fantastic. I just eat red meat every day on the shocker. I love it. And um, there's nothing better. But I, I, I like blade sometimes, Shane, because it's, it's real. And we, we have our own cattle killed. And uh, it's, it's just tasty and it's good. Um, but if you ask me, but then if I, if I add on to it, I think the best cut of meat, um, I love a rolled roast because the flavour just goes through that beef just so much. So I'm a big beef junkie,
0: Do you have a recommendation for a drink to go with it? I know you're a bit of a connoisseur in the wine area.
1: I am. I am. I love my wines. And uh, it's got to be a red. And I think I've evolved Um, now. I think uh, if you can find a bush vine Grenache from South Australia, maybe in McLaren Vale or in the Barossa, that's the the pick.
0: Good tip. (laughs) And uh, are there any final thoughts that you'd like to leave with the listeners today?
1: Thanks for that, Shane. I just think... I just would like to say that I've I, I found the organisation and the community around Angus just the most um, wonderful group of people and I've been humbled. Um, one, I'm humbled to have been given the job as CEO but but I love the fact that, that um, a guy that comes from the wine industry with a... With an interesting commercial cattle, lab. have uh, you've all embraced me, which is which is great, and and given me a, a real go in that space, and and uh, I just love it. I love the industry. I, I love um, my conversations with my members. I love driving around the country and looking at what you're doing, and and uh, every patch is different, every mob of cattle is different. I love it. Uh, it's a it's a it's a really great time to be in the beef industry, and I feel it as a privilege. So that's it.
0: Great, perfect. Well, thanks again for joining us, Scott. I'm sure this won't be the last time, but um, I appreciate you taking time to uh, speak with us today and thank you for a great little chat.
1: Thanks, Shane. I love this podcast and what you're doing and I I think it's a great opportunity to, to dig deep with people. So keep going. Great work.
0: Today's episode. Jumping straight into our recommendations for the month, we have the upcoming Angus Essentials webinar series. The Angus Essentials series is designed to be a starting point for people considering the registered cattle business, for new members to Angus Australia to understand the full range of breeding and genetics tools, or for existing members to brush up on their knowledge and skills. The series will provide information and advice from leading industry speakers for attendees to learn how to extract the most out of breeding decisions, registrations and record keeping, genetic evaluation and creating practical performance recording and genotyping strategies, conducting artificial breeding programs, all the way through to considerations of marketing and preparing for a sale. Visit the Angus Australia website for a breakdown of the topics and dates for the upcoming Essentials webinars, which kick off with the Breeding and Genetics Fundamentals on April 7th and will be hosted by Zoom with registrations required. There are also a number of opportunities at the moment in the Angus use space, with applications currently open for the 2022 Gen Angus Future Leaders Programme and the newly launched Angus Foundation Auctions Plus Cadetship. Both of these are amazing opportunities for young people in the beef industry, with applications for the Gen Angus Future Leaders Program open to people aged 18 to 40 who are looking to increase their knowledge and confidence to launch a new or existing beef enterprise. Now in its fourth year, the alliance between Angus Australia and specialist farm insurer Acnea, Provides an exciting opportunity for the next generation to fast track their leadership in the beef industry. The Auctions Plus Cadetship is designed to give the recipient hands on experience in an agribusiness in the beef supply chain. During the Cadetship, the cadet will experience day to day operations within Auctions Plus and develop a unique understanding of how the business works and the important role they play in global food production. For further information regarding these opportunities, please visit the Angus Australia website. And that's all we have time for today. Make sure you subscribe, rate and review the podcast and follow Angus Australia and Angus Youth Australia on our social media channels. Thanks again and we'll catch you on the next one.